Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. And then the people that came into my path that had not been for, you know, a, a friend of mine uh, whose name is Michael Williams being put in my path with my colleague at Bank America. I mean, he's the one that gave me the idea to write that book. I would have never come up with that on my own. And, you know, and, and then also, you know, he, when I was discouraged and the thing fell through with the Saints, he was the one that told me that, hey, you know, don't be discouraged. Another team with as much passion, if not more passion, you know, a coach with more passion than Mike Ditka is going to call you. I was like, oh, well, sure, right. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't really believe it at the time. But, but these these people have been put into my path that they helped me along the way. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. If you want a free ebook, the best mental toughness quotes that will make you better, just text Dr. Rob Bell. That's D R R O B. B-E-L-L to this number, 33444. You'll get a download right away. So our guest loved football so much that at the age of 17, his parents bought him the book Secrets of an NFL Scout for his birthday. So from there, he you know, tells classmates he's going to be an NFL Scout. So right away, we've got the vision already planted. But even better than that, he got the naysayers then saying, no way you're going to be an NFL scout and writing in his yearbook, you know, dogging, you know, our favorite team, which we'll get to. You know, our our guest, he wrote a 75-page report from dozens of college games. You know, he met with Tony Dungy when he was with with the Vikings, which led to an internship. And then from there, he published a scouting report, and he, he did this. He sent three copies to every single NFL team. It took him a couple thousand dollars to do that. The Jets and Scott Pioli called him, and that is where his journey started, and we're going to talk about that today. He's written a book. It's called Whatever It Takes. It's based on his life experience. Our guest currently writes for Sports Illustrated and the Detroit Lions. He's appeared on the uh, New York Times and USA Today. Our guest today is Daniel Kelly. Daniel, thanks so much for joining us, man. Hey, you're welcome, Rob. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm excited to be on. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. And so I said we we share kind of the same team. I mean, it was uh, it was the Redskins. I guess we got to say the team formerly known as the Redskins. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, for sure. Yeah, as soon as I heard that, I said, wow, this is meant to be. <laughs> Agreed, man. So I know we're both wearing our... Uh, both wearing our Redskins gear, so this is this will be good, man. Let me start with this. So, to be an NFL scout, and you took such a non-traditional route, but I mean, let me ask you this question to start off: How obsessed were you with becoming an NFL scout? Uh, extremely obsessed, uh, Rob. It's it's what I did uh, from the time I was seventeen when I you know read that book that you alluded to uh, that my parents gave me for my birthday that year, Secrets to NFL Scout, written by Tony Rosano, the uh, great uh, 49ers director of player personnel. 
uh, back with Bill Walsh. I, I couldn't put it down. I said, this is what I want to be. I mean, I read the book uh, backwards and then, you know, forwards and backwards and try to see if there's any subliminal messages in it. And, uh, you know, I was just, uh, I was obsessed with the book, obsessed with the concept. I said, this is what I want to be. I want to be an NFL scout like you talked about. And from that moment, uh, that's pretty much uh, the obsession of my mind uh, was getting into the NFL and having an opportunity to scout. And so when you got the opportunity there with Tony Dungy and the internship, but then, but then you turned that around and, and you, you took a big leap of faith. And can you talk about that and what you sent to every single NFL team? Uh, absolutely, Rob. Um, you're right. Uh, that six-month internship with Coach Dungy was great. Uh, he left for the Buccaneers. I, I left back to the real world. Uh, they selling Kirby banking players door-to-door. And I uh, went through a real personal time of adversity. Uh, my first fiance broke up with me. I uh, went through a real tough time financially, just, just a tough time all the way around. Uh, I got evicted from my apartment. I uh, got my vehicle repossessed, lost everything, was sleeping on a buddy's couch, uh, rebounded. I uh, met, a, met a, my, who turned out to be my first wife, Ruth. Uh, we started dating. I found myself all of a sudden, uh, you know, working. So I, I'm sitting there in this this meeting, this real estate meeting, and, and it's just like you know, I, I came to this place of, you know, what am I doing? Uh, you know, my, my philosophy was kind of forged uh, back with Joe Gibbs. We know him very well. You know, the great coach of the Washington Redskins. It was Super Bowl 17, fourth and one. A lot of young coaches, let's remember, Joe Gibbs was a second-year unknown coach at this time, facing off against really what, what amounted to Goliath and, and Don Shula, a legendary coach of the Dolphins. And it was at that moment he made the gutsiest call, and he said, let's go for it. He turned to Joe Bugle and said, you know, what do you think, uh, Bugles? And he said, uh, 70 chip. That was a play call. John Riggins was off to the races. And that's really where my philosophy was forged, Rob, was, was to go for it. Because when I was sitting in that real estate law meeting at Bank of America, I thought to myself, it's better to go for it. From that point, you know, I, it was just, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to stop all these ideas, start flooding my mind. I'm going to stop at Target, get some pens and paper. I'm going to call DirecTV, subscribe to their college football package. And uh, so I started, uh, I, was, I was working full time at the bank. Moonlight was out, getting maybe 10, 15 hours sleep a week. Not a night, but a week. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and I was about knee deep in the reports. And, and I wanted to give my, myself one last chance again with the Redskins. And I, I, was, I took a break one night uh, during these, you know, watching these games and read these reports to get some pizza rolls. And, um, and I'm sitting there, and, and all of a sudden, the special comes on TV about Wayne Corbett, if you remember him at all. The Absolutely. Receiver. Yeah, but the receiver Yep, Hofstra. There you go. There you go. And, uh, and so. Actually, ESPN was talking about his dad and how his dad sent highlight tapes to all his teams in the NFL trying to get son you know, an opportunity and land him an opportunity, you know, land him a chance. And I was like, that's it. That was like a light bulb moment for me, Rob, where I said, you know what? I, I've always been trying to get in with the Redskins, which I did. I've never tried to get in with any other team. So at that moment, I got the idea that I'm going to write to all, you know, all the teams and send my reports to all the teams. And, and it just kind of, you know, went from there. I had no idea how I was going to send out the reports. My first thought was maybe to, you know, put the reports in three ring binders. I thought, you know, I can see teams kind of taking the reports out, throw them in the garbage, using the three ring binder for something else. Uh, so, so I, you know, I had a, a friend at the bank. It was one of those hinge moments that you know you talk about. And I was like, well, how do you do that? He said, well, start calling, you know, different uh, printing presses around town. And so I did. And one guy liked what I was trying to do. It would be a, a 1998 350 page NFL draft report is my quote unquote resume. And um, it, it, the guy said at the printing press, it was going to take 85,000 sheets of paper. And I um, you know, went the extra mile and got a credit account with Airborne Express. 
and sent out free copies to every team in the NFL with no guarantees, overnight mail. The best way to get something in the right hands is to have it you know, arrive looking official. And so I did everything I possibly could to make sure it ended up in the people's hands I had addressed to. So the package should mention Bill Parcells. It got the Bill Parcells. And, and you put a handwritten note in each one, right? Well, right, right. Well, yeah, it was like a, like a, a portfolio I made and signed. And, and I, in the back of my book, I said, all I asked for is an opportunity. And literally, Rob, I put everything I had into this project, all of my money, all of myself, all of my time, all of my energy. I mean, it was it was to the point I was on the brink of exhaustion. So you sent that, and then what was the call that you got? Well, the first call was from the New Orleans Saints. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Bruce Lumberman, who was a college scouting coordinator at the time, said, hey, listen, uh, you know, Dan, we, we got your book. Mike Ditka really likes your book. And I'm like, wow, Mike Ditka. I was like, <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like uh, yeah, he likes it. And we have a uh, position open uh, for a college scouting position in, in the Midwest uh, you know, region of the country. You know, please know that other teams will be calling you, he said. And uh, we were the first team to call. So I, I got off that call route thinking for sure I was going to the Saints, actually convinced I was going to the Saints. And, uh, you know, they said I was just waiting for the call back so I, so I could go. And so if you would have got that job, though, do you think you would have told him not to draft Ricky Williams or would that have still been a draft pick, you think? <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, I, I, I like Ricky uh, as, as well. Uh, but, but um, you know, I, I probably would have given him better advice than I gave the Jets. Uh, I got hired the Jets. Actually, the Jets' top draft pick that year was a defensive end named Dorian Booz. In my draft book, I had him rated as an undraftable reject, which, of course, he turned out to be a bust. So, so it definitely would have been a different advice uh, for sure. I would have given the Saints that I ended up giving to the, to the Jets. So you get the job for the Jets. Uh, you work with uh, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick. I mean, two of the best in the business. And so w- when you started that position, I mean, what was the best thing that you learned from, from two of those, you know, the best coaches of all time? I learned a lot, uh, Rob. Uh, you know, I, I learned um, a lot about, you know, learning how to put a team together, um, you know, knowing what it takes to put a team together, uh, you know, seeing see how well organized they were, uh, how meticulous they were, how much attention to detail they paid. Uh, nothing got unnoticed. Uh, every detail was, was uh, accounted for. And uh, just being in that environment, it, it's like, you know, if you put a plant uh, somewhere, you know, where it's meant to grow, it will grow. And uh, just being in that environment was incredible to be around those guys and to, to just see them, observe them, and learn from what they were doing and how they went about doing it. And so, I mean, the part that I love about your story is it's it's still ongoing. And and one of the quotes that, that you said before was, you know, if somebody comes and asks you, it's like, what do I need to do to get in the NFL? And you tell them, you say, pay very special attention to the ideas that pop in your mind and pay very special attention to the people in your path. I think it's such a righteous statement, but can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. I mean, when, when people say, wow, it's incredible, Daniel, what you did to get yourself in the NFL, that's taking way too much credit. I ever accepted the ideas that came to me out of nowhere, like in that Bank America the real estate meeting. Those thoughts just popped into my head on nowhere. And then the people that came into my path, had it not been for, you know, uh, that friend of mine uh, whose name is Michael Williams being put on my path, who was my colleague at Bank America. I mean, he's the one that gave me the idea to write that book. I would have never come up with that on my own. And, you know, and, and then also, you know, he, when I was discouraged and the thing fell through with the Saints, 
he was the one that told me that, hey, you know, don't be discouraged. Another team with as much passion, if not more passion, you know, a coach with more passion than Mike Ditka is going to call you. I was like, oh, well, sure, right. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't really believe at the time. But but these these people have been put into my path that they helped me along the way, and, and these ideas have been given to me that, that, that have never been done before that, that helped me get into these positions. And like with the Jets, for example, uh, it, it was, a, you know, as a college dropout, it was very humbling, Rob, because I sat at our secretary's desk for lunch, um, for her lunch break, and, and I looked through, there were stacks of resumes on her desk in the post-scouting department of the New York Jets from guys from, from Harvard and Yale and Dartmouth and all these Ivy League schools trying to get an internship but here I am as a college dropout having this opportunity to, to be in this chart. So really how it happened for me was just that way, Rob, was with just paying attention to these ideas as, as, as wild as they may have sounded at the time, just following the ideas. And so with those thoughts that pop into your mind, I mean, you're, you're a believer. I mean, do you think, you know, I mean, with your faith, I mean, do you think these are God moments? I do. Yeah. Absolutely, because I, I would never come up with these things on my own. You know, one of the things I, I think is uh, Gil Reyes, he was Andre Agassi's longtime strength coach, and he always said, and I thought this was such a righteous quote as well, some battles aren't worth fighting even if you win. So I think of like, you know, arguments with my wife or something like that, right? If I get an argument there, <laughs> if I win that battle, if I win, I don't win. Um but he also said this, and the real power in this one, he said, some battles are worth fighting even if you lose because the journey is definitely even worth it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if somebody's listening to this and they're hearing, like, your story, man, what is it about mental toughness that they need to know, you know, to, to keep persevering, and, and how do we get that strength? Really and truly, I think that strength is given to us. Um, you know, because there's a lot of times we go through circumstances in life that are just almost too much. I mean, we're going through one of those circumstances right now with COVID. I mean, you know, it's an unprecedented time. And, um, you know, to, to me, um, the big key to, it, to the whole thing, Rob, is really making the decision. And as simple and as difficult as this may sound, but to me, it comes down to continuing to put one foot in front of another. Sometimes, sometimes it's more difficult than other times with, with the different things we face in life. But, you know, I, I always go back to, to a, to a, a three-word, a famous three-word commencement speech that Winston Churchill uh, talked about. I think it was like in 1945 or something. I don't know if you've heard it, you know, back at the, I think it was Harvard or something. And, and I heard on, on a radio show once, uh, Chuck Swindell's uh, uh, ministry program, he said uh, Winston Churchill got up in front of the graduating class that year, and he, and he, he stood up there and he said, Never give up. And he stood there for a few minutes, and you know the students are starting to think that you know what, what's he going to say? Never give up. He stood there for a few more minutes. He said, "His students are like, did he lose his place? What, what's going on?" And he said, "Never, ever, ever give up." And and he sat down. And, and that's something I think somebody needs to hear right now is that to to not give up. Because it just keep putting one foot in front of another. Because there are, there are times when even I become so discouraged that that I've questioned things and and, and you know and didn't know about you know what the future held. But making the decision 
to keep putting one foot in front of another really is what mental toughness to me is all about. I love it, man. You know, let me ask you another thing, because with puke and rally, right, it's not about the setback, it's about the comeback. And you've done tons of writing. I think it's a fantastic writer that you do. Do you think that we need to have the naysayers? Like, do you think that we need to have those people that say, Dana, that's a dumb idea, man, don't try it. That's, you know, that's ridiculous. Do you think we need to have those in our life? Uh, you know, I've, I've thought on off about Christopher Columbus and the whole story about Christopher Columbus. You know, uh, he, he thought the world was round. He probably had a bunch of friends that said, hey, you know, good luck, buddy. Uh, have, have fun falling off the waterfall when you get out there on your boat. <laughs> you know, and, and that's that to me is, is, is to, to me personally, I mean, at the time I was a little kid, I, I had people telling me that I, I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that. And I had some rather loud voices in, in my life that way. Uh, throughout school, I had kids tell me, you know, I, I said, you know, I'm going to be an NFL scout. They're like, oh, no, I'm, you know, you won't be able to do that. And and, and so it's always been something that, that's that's helped me press forward is having these cheerleaders in, in my life that, that say it can't be done. Because anytime people say something can't be done, I, I know it can be done because I know impossible is only a mindset. It's 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 a word in the dictionary. There's no such thing as impossible as far as I'm concerned. I guess this is a, a straight football question then, or for football but organizational leadership. What do you think the successful organizations, what do you think needs to be part of their foundation in order to be you know successful? Because I think, and I'll preface this, I mean, we kind of look at it. I mean, the Steelers have had – three head coaches throughout their you know entire existence so to speak um you know but can you can you talk about that what is it what does it take for an organization to be successful vision is is a big one i think that that ownership and, and the general manager of a team have got to be able to see the, the the promised land so to speak they've got to be able to see the super bowl they've got to believe they can actually achieve it there has to be a system in place rob where where it's authentic and what i mean by that is any system in the nfl win but so many of these coaches and gms and teams try to copy one another it's so critically important to be authentic because when you're authentic and, and you have a vision you can stand in front of a team and you can communicate that vision. those players then will believe in it once those players believe in it then they'll take action once they take action they will win and that's that's the key. So having the vision, having it be authentic, and having having you know people in place that raise everybody's level of play. You know, whether it be in the front office, whether it be in the scouting ranks, the coaching, whether it be in the roster, in the locker room, the team, the building, having people that believe, believing. If you don't believe that you can win, you won't win. You know, I think it was it was uh, what was it uh, Harry Truman or or Ford or one of those guys that said, you know, the, the man that says he can and the man that says he can't are both right. You know, so, so belief has a lot to do with it. And when you look at a team like the Steelers, they've had a kind of a consistent vision throughout the years. They, they know exactly what they're looking throughout throughout the years. And, and it shows because decade after decade after decade, they continue to win no matter who's there. And I think they have some of those pieces of the puzzle in Pittsburgh. But I think those pieces are extremely important when it comes to building a dynasty. So when you're watching all the film, all the um, scouting tapes that – thousands of hours that you've watched. I mean, can you let us know, like, what are some of the things that you look for in, in, in different types of players? Uh, absolutely, Rob. I look for heart. Uh, that's number one. The strongest muscle in the body is so the, heart. So the intangible, guys, right? 
Absolutely. Intangibles is where it's at. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times people get caught up in the scouting combines and height, weight, speed, and, and all the kinds of things that, you know, how high can he jump and, and how big are his hands and, and all, you know, how many times, how fast can you run around three cones? You know, it, it's, it's, to me, it's about the intangibles. It, it's about heart. It's about want. Um, you know, it, it's, it's about uh, guys that, that, uh, that believe and guys that have the faith to know that they can believe. I mean, I, I think a Tim Tebow is one of those guys, you know, it's, it, it's that, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for in a player a lot of times. So let me ask you then, so how do you, how are you able to find that or able to see that or witness it? It just, it just pops off the screen at me. It jumps out the screen. Uh, I, I can turn on a game and, and um, you know, most of the time it's just guys, just guys. Parcells called him. It's just another guy. Uh, it, it's just, it's just, you know, a lot of guys are kind of going through the motions. It's alarming, Rob, how many people, how many players in the NFL are just going through the motions. Guys are playing touch tag. Guys are not wanting to get hurt. They, they lose concentration. They lose focus. You can tell that you know, they're there more maybe, you know, to pick up the check than they are to pick up a ring. And, and so to, to me, it, it's, 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 it, when I, when I turn on the film and, and a guy wants it, it just jumps off the screen at me. When a guy has heart, it jumps off the screen at me. It's it just, it, it's, it, I always say, I, I only can evaluate. I only see what I am showing. And, and when I see that on the screen, it excites me. It excites me to the point where I say, I got to have this player. This guy is a difference maker. This guy is going to elevate everybody's play around him. This guy is going to get the crowd into the game. The players will feed off the crowd, et cetera, et cetera. Much like we witnessed with the Redskins RFK Stadium with Joe Gibbs, uh, Bobby Beathard, and Jack Ken Cook back in the day with the Redskins. That, that's kind of the formula that they, they had. So I can always see it. I can identify it. And uh, I try, you know, if I was running a team, I would do everything in my power to get those guys on my roster. So... I mean, can you give a couple current day examples? I mean, is that okay? I mean, because again, I don't know all the trade secrets. I guess when it comes to this stuff, but I mean, are there a couple current examples of players that have that that it factor, that intangible, that heart that we're going to see? Absolutely, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry pops right off, you know, off the top of my head uh, with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Jarvis Landry is a guy that's all fire, all heart, all passion, wants it. Matter of fact, uh, I wrote uh, Jarvis a letter. And inside the letter, I, I said, if, if, if you can get me 10 minutes of FaceTime with, with the owner, Jimmy Haslam, it's only going to take me 10 minutes to close the deal. And if you can get me 10 minutes to go in there and, and become the general manager of the Cleveland Browns, I will make you my assistant general manager, making you the first dual role player front office executive in NFL history, uh, because that's the type of guy I want. That's the type of guy that, that, that you know, that, that the guy who really wants to win. And, and that's that's very important. So that that's one of them to me. Uh, a guy who really wants to win. Um, you know, I would say another guy probably that uh, Tim Tebow is a guy that when he played, um, you know, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis is another guy that, that, that won. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make Ray Lewis my defensive coordinator when I run a team. Uh, you know, those are the kind of guys I want in the locker room. Those are the kind of guys I want around the team. And uh, there's another guy, there's a defensive end named Hunter up in Minnesota uh, who's a guy that really excites me when I watch him. He's a guy that, that you know, reminds me a lot of Dexter yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of Dexter Manley. He's a guy that wants it. He's always coming off the ball. He's always got, um, you know, a tank in Dallas. Uh, you know, that, that's another guy, the defensive tackle down there, our defensive end. Uh, he's a guy that always wants it. And, and so those are some of the guys that just kind of jump out when you ask them when you say that. So um, one of the things I wrote in my notes, again, because, you know, writing for the Lions, I hope it's okay to ask this question. Uh, DeAndre absolutely. Swift. Does he have that it factor, and how do what do you think his potential is? How do you think he'll do? 
It's interesting you asked that. I, I got a article coming out this weekend about DeAndre, and uh, no, I don't think he has the factor. Uh, I think the, to, to me, he's a guy that's very polished. Uh, he's a guy that that um, you know kind of looks the part. He looks, as I said in my article, he kind of looks like a sports car, but he has more of a, a, a V four engine. <laughs> you know, it, it's something where. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, it, the thing about DeAndre is is that is that he 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 only has one gear of speed, um, and, and that's an issue because he's going to have a very hard time hitting the edges uh, like Delvin Cook does in Minnesota. He won't be able to do that because he doesn't have a second gear built into him to hit the edge. Uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to have to make a living between the tackles. Okay, and it's awesome you mentioned that, and I appreciate it because I mean, I, I again I'm a Tennessee guy, right? So I mean, I. And every any time I see the Georgia players doing it, and uh, I was always curious. But and let me juxtapose that with another player. Then, what about Jonathan Taylor? I did not get a chance to evaluate him. Okay. You know, you mentioned something about being able to change speeds. I mean, that was what Emmett Smith was so great at, wasn't he? Because I mean, he wasn't the fastest, but he could change speeds, couldn't he? Absolutely, and that's very critically important when it comes to setting up defenders and making them miss is giving them different speeds because there's a guy that the Redskins have right now was a running back by the name of Bryce Love. Remember him oh, of from course. Stanford? Of course. And, and he's a, yeah, and of course, he's, yeah, he's on the skins now. And then, of course, he has the big injury. Uh, but I'm just going to make him my number one pick overall with Cleveland because he was like a, like a, like a, like a Ferrari and Cleet from the time he took the handoff. Uh, to the time he hit the line, it was just like a burst of, of energy and a burst of speed. And and so so it is very important to have that. And that's really what a lot of the elite running backs have is that 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 ability to change speeds and, and maybe even a second gear. Um, you know, Fred Taylor comes to mind, too, for, uh, for Jacksonville for years. Uh, you know, so, so that's vitally important uh, for, for, for a lot of these running backs. And if they don't have it, it makes it a lot tougher. They're more of a tier two back. So, you know, a guy that you're always, you know, you, you can play with him, but uh, as far as the starter is concerned, but he's a guy that's, you know, never going to be able to break away from the pack. He's going to get, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust primarily. Yeah. I mean, I can, I guess it's okay because I don't want to respectfully disagree with my guests or my, uh, you know, you're the expert, man. I think I look at DeAndre Swift and I think the part that kind of gets to me, though, is like, you know, th- there were people that were always telling him he couldn't do it. You know, he couldn't do it. And I always look for that edge, man, and, and that piece. So, um, I, I respect it. I'm, I'm glad we spoke because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow it and watch it, man. Um, I just always look for those intangibles as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's okay. It's okay. I'm wrong sometimes, too. It's okay because I had Ryan Leaf rate, ranked as my number one quarterback coming out in 1998. So, See, now you've got to go there. Now you got to go, go <laughs> yeah. that way. <laughs> and Bobby Beathard actually selected Leaf, so I don't feel, I don't feel bad. But, uh, hey, uh, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, even Bill Walsh won the draft, Steve Dills over Joe Montana. So it's okay. The part that <laughs> I love, like when we talk about these hinge moments, um, you know, and I've got to send you, um, you know, one of my book. I, I wrote one on, on every Super Bowl champion because I was assessed on, um, you know, again, I, I'll take the Pepsi challenge when it comes to all different sports. But with football, I was obsessed with what was a common theme amongst every Super Bowl champion. And so there were these hinge moments that would pop out. And the only hinge moment that I ever came across that was a common theme amongst every team. You know, it's not like every team had that slogan. Every team didn't have the fun bunch. Every team, you know, didn't have, you know, the great offense or the great defense. Some, you know, obviously, as you know, I mean, they had a rookie head coach or rookie quarterback. But every team had that one loss 
that was so painful that it galvanized the team together where they basically said, no more, that's not going to happen. So even if we look at like the 72 Dolphins, right? Like the only undefeated team, well, they got embarrassed at the Super Bowl the year before to the Cowboys, 24-3, to where they never even scored a touchdown. And then it was that team that showed up to training camp next year with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I you know, you're talking, Rob. The first thing that pops in my head was the, uh, you know, as far as being a Redskins guy growing up, was the '86 uh, NFC Championship game uh, with the Redskins when they when they went into the Meadowlands in New York and and lost 17 to nothing. I, I remember the game like it was yesterday. There was, you know, I think they opened up the garage doors at the uh, Meadowlands. There was swirling winds. There was debris all over the field. Uh, you know, we got we got pretty much uh, the Skins got killed that day. And I remember Charles Mann talking, the great defensive end of the Redskins, talking on NFL Films uh, that year in the season highlight tape. He said, "You know, uh, you know, they were even the fans were rocking our bus, you know, outside the stadium afterwards, the Giants fans." And we looked at each other and said, "Nah, you know, we're not doing this again." And that was kind of the uh, takeoff point for the '87 team, who went on to do November '22. Uh, with Doug Williams on January 31st, 88. So I, I think you're right. I think there's always that moment, that defining moment for a team when they say, you know what, uh, we're not we're not going back here. We're gonna we're gonna push through the wall and no matter what it takes. So on your way to being the GM, which I'm glad we get to set this vision straight here, with um, and who knows? I mean, it might be with the Jets and Gary Vaynerchuk, right, when he owns that team. But I mean, how does what's what's the role that faith plays in in your life now? Uh, but it's everything. It's it's absolutely everything. I mean, my relationship with Jesus Christ is, is everything to me. Um, it, it's He's given me an ability to reconcile the past, which is extremely painful in my life, and to understand, you know, have you know, is is, is just to help to reconcile, wrap my head around what's happened. Um, and he's and, and having that relationship with him has has allowed me to to trust. And what's going to happen in the future, and then kind of comfortably sit in the pocket, if you will, like a quarterback at this point, which is really the first point in my life as we're talking, where I can I, I I'm I'm more comfortable in the pocket right now in the present moment than I've ever been before, knowing that everything is leading to somewhere, and and, and knowing that everywhere I've been has been for a reason. Because when I look back, Rob, everything in my life is is has been like playing connect the dots. You know, kid, we used to play a game connect the dots and. You know, everything kind of fits together just perfectly. And, and I've seen so much in my life. It get, it just increases my faith even more for the future to know that why won't the future be any different than the past? It won't. It'll be the same as the past. I'm just not there yet. So I can just comfortably rest in the spot, the Sabbath rest, if you will, uh, talked about in, in Hebrews, where, where it's, just, it's just entering into this rest, resting from my work, just enjoying the journey, knowing that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, knowing that one thing will lead to another because that's the way it's always happened for me. He has always brought the greatest minds in NFL history in my time into my path. It's always happened in all the blue. It's something where I just, I'm along for the ride. That's a great line, man. You know, and I appreciate you sharing yeah. that. I've got one more, two more questions. And, and this one is a bit from left field because I need you to explain it. Your favorite quarterback of a Redskin of all time was Jay Schrader. Yes, really? yes, it was. It right, was. Man, yes, because <laughs> the only thing I remember about Jay Schrader, man, is looking at this California kid and just 
you know, couldn't wait for Doug Williams to get in that game, man. I mean, so so lay it out for me, man. Why was Jay Schrader your favorite? I, I was actually at that game, Rob, in Minnesota where, where Doug came in at halftime uh, when Schrader was benched uh, with, with the Vikings uh, Redskins game. Uh, December 26, 1987. So I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but Jay, Jay was somebody who – I've never seen anybody take command of the line of scrimmage the way Jay Schrader had, ever, before or since. Uh, he came up there, he would come under center, and he would start barking out that cadence, you know, yellow 30, you know, yellow. You know, it, it was just – I could do it the, you know, the way he did it, but I won't be that loud. And, and uh, you know, it was it was something where he he, he had such confidence at the line of scrimmage. I, I've just never seen it. And and he, he just had a, a rock of an arm, and and he would throw that ball so hard. And, and it was something where I just, you know, he won a lot of his games when he was in there. And, and I, I wrote, actually, in my book, Whatever It Takes, a letter to Joe Gibbs uh, begging him not to trade Jay Schrader. Uh, you know, and I, my parents took me out there and they were dressed in all their Viking stuff. And I was standing in the team, you know, lobby and uh, after Dexter science and stuff. And, and, you know, my mom says, uh, you know, Danny, look, look, it's, I think it's the bellboy. And I said, I said no, mom, that's not the bellboy. That's Jay Schrader. <laughs> and I, I mean, like I, I did a Daryl Green about a 4240 down the hallway, uh, the CJ, because I loved it. I had his poster hanging in my room. Matter of fact, just the other day, I got, I bought a jersey of his um, off uh, eBay. And I wear it. I I just loved him. He just resonated with me through and through. That's awesome, man. I I respect that a lot, buddy. Um, the hinge moment with the hinge moment with Doug Williams, I love, especially when it came to uh, to Coach Gibbs. Was you know he he was going to trade him to the Raiders, and he said, you know, come mm-hmm. back come back at noon. I'm going to have the details. And Doug was happy about it, right? He wanted out of there. And when he came back, and then Coach William, you know, Coach Gibbs said. Um, you know, I changed my mind. Something tells me you're going to help us win this thing. And it's those small moments, man, that, you know, like you said, we can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. But do you have any insight on, on that story? Yeah, that was that was incredible because I know they were, you know, he was going back and forth in his mind. Uh, Gibbs was, uh, as you alluded to, um, about which which one to go with, and um, you know it, it, Joe Gibbs' book. In fact, you know Joe Gibbs wrote a book called Fourth and One uh, back in the day that I read. It. Actually, it was a huge inspiration to me. Joe Gibbs is, is the greatest influence in my life, um, and uh, you know much of what I wrote my book, whatever it takes, is modeled kind of like in the inspiration of the way Joe Gibbs wrote his. And uh, you know, so when he says uh, that he had a moment where he just kind of felt that Doug was going to win this thing for him. That's all it took for Joe Gibbs to make that decision. And, and, and so, you know, that, that was good enough for him because he knew that was the voice of God talking to him at that point. And so he made that decision based on faith and faith alone. And that's the way Joe Gibbs operated. I love it, man. Daniel, my last question, because I really appreciate this. And, um, you know, we're going to put links for, for your book, obviously there. But my last question is this, is what, what question – should I be asking that that I haven't asked? Oh, that's 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 a good one. Um, maybe uh, what's next? Please, what's share. next? <laughs> that's good. You know, it's it's to me. You know, much there's so many people that that struggle with what's next in life. And, and uh, you know, what the future holds. And, and a lot of people struggle with a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. 
you know, about the future. But to me, it, 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 it all comes down to, to, to faith and trust, believing in your, your journey, trusting your journey, knowing where you're heading. Somebody asked me the other night, they said, you know, where do you think you're going to end up in this whole thing? And I said, you know what? I don't really know, but I know it's going to be somewhere that's, that's going to be good. And, and having that faith and that trust, knowing that, that even if you don't know what's going to happen, knowing that it's going to work out. And that's the way I feel about the future. And I feel very confident about that. Daniel, thanks so much for uh, for joining us on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it, buddy. You're welcome, Rob. Thanks for having me on tonight. And thank you to our listeners who listen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.